Hey everyone, you are listening to the Above the Tree Line podcast, where we take difficult questions about Christianity, faith, and culture and answer them through the lens of scripture. You can listen on your preferred podcast platform or watch online at youtube.com slash Austin Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to submit a question for us to address, you can do so at acfellowship.org slash podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Above the Tree Line podcast with Senior Pastor Will Davis, Jr. Hi, Lauren. Hi, friends. We are from, above the tree line. We are above the tree Way line. Way above it today. We've got... We're high up there. We've got... This actually, the question that we're going to address today has come in a couple of times, and I knew it would because this <laughs> is something that um, I know people in our church kind of struggle with. Um, so we're just going to dive de- right Here we into go. it because um, I don't want to waste any more time, but the... The question is, is cessationism biblical? So before we dive into this, I want to kind of put out a definition a little bit about what cessationism is. So it's the view that the miracle gifts of tongues and healing have ceased. Basically, those things went away. They ceased after the apostolic age. Um, So some people would put prophecy... um, in, in with that words of knowledge, well. words of wisdom, words, all the First yes. Corinthians twelve gifts, basically. Yes, all the gifts, and have do they now cease to exist? Like the Bible is complete, it's done, um, and it doesn't mean that God can't do those miracles. But they primarily believe that God will not do those miracles through humans, like He did in the Bible. So when we look at Moses parting the Red Sea. We look at Elijah. Um, we look at Jesus. These are God did these things to authenticate a message that he was delivering to the people through these miracles. What do you say to the people that say that age is done because he's no longer authenticating that message? The Bible is written. It's finished. It's a great question. And as we would always say, Lauren, um, I want to honor people in both camps, camps, both, both camps. camps or multiple camps, actually three camps, at least on this one, um, and say priesthood of the believer gives everybody the right to read this. I've got friends in all the camps, and so uh, notice I'm refusing to commit yes. myself at this point. Um, so is to say, is it biblical? Well, it depends on how you interpret the scriptures, so I'll let everybody decide for themselves. This is not, this is a relatively new um, phenomenon new in the sense of it started in the Reformation with mm-hmm. John Calvin. Um, he kind of began to push back on some of the the um, signs and wonders and the and the, the attributing of miracles to saints in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and really felt like it was being misused. And he didn't say miracles were no longer present. He felt like they were not as necessary. So it grew out grew out of John Calvin in the Reformation, and then has landed pretty firmly in the Presbyterian camp, the Reform camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, Episcopalians take a neutral ground on it and try to stay neutral on it. They're Switzerland. So it's it's not it's not an old teaching. So what are the three camps you refer to? There are There is the, the group that says there are no miracles at all. There are there's a group that says it's the wild, wild west, go for it. Mm-hmm. And there's a group that says, yes, miracles can still happen, but only in connection to the teaching of the Word of God. Okay. It's, it's yes with caution. Okay. Those are the three groups. And um, all three have their reasons for yeah. teaching what it's they like do. like red light, green light, yellow. Yes. Okay. Yes. Proceed with caution. Okay. Yes. What are you, you're looking at me. 
<laughs> I know you're not going to say which of those. The, I'll the, get there. I might get there at minute 21. So we'll see. it does. I will say it <laughs> does make sense to me that when these miracles that we read about in the Bible were happening, God was authenticating a message um, to his people. And he was using these these miracles and these signs to prove that these people were who they said they were. And it does beg the question, does that, does that still need to happen today? So does it mean, let me ask you a question. Oh, Lord. Sis, does yeah. it mean then that when Jesus said, the same works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these? Two ways to interpret that if you're a secessionist. Number one, that only applies to the apostles mm-hmm. and their direct descendants, or the greater works are only in mu- multitude, not in magnitude. You'll do the same works and more of the same mm-hmm. works than I did, mm-hmm. but not necessarily greater in magnitude, mm-hmm. which would argue for secessionism. Because Jesus said, "Yeah, you're going to do the works that I did." Yeah. So I think I but think. But who was the audience for that message? His disciples, the okay. night the night before he was executed, right? Um, in John 14. But he does was giving that, them final instructions. Does that apply to us, or did I, it apply I, to those? People? I'm starting to show my hand. We're early in the podcast here. I believe it applies to us as well. Okay. Um, all right. So let's just have, let's just mix it up. <laughs> um, I am in the camp of I'm in a camp, and I'm totally in the camp of miracles still exist. All the spiritual gifts still exist. We're not saying miracles don't exist. We never say that because salvation's a miracle. It's the greatest miracle mm-hmm. there is. It's the greatest work of God there is. Is salvation. He's still doing that. So no right. one is Absolutely. saying miracles don't happen because right. you get saved. Or a Baylor wins a Big 12 championship and anything is clearly a sign there's a God, okay? Um, I believe that the 1 Corinthians 12 list is still active. And I don't, I don't personally believe that the scriptures support an ending to the sign gifts that are in 1 Corinthians 12. But why is it that these, these miracles and signs are only mentioned in the earliest epistles, like 1 Corinthians, like the other books, Ephesians, Romans... They talk about gifts of the Spirit, but those miracles aren't mentioned in the later epistles. It's in Galatians. It's in James. Um, I don't know that I—I know they're not in, like, for—I don't think there's any reference to sign gifts in 1 Peter or 2 Peter. Um, But I I don't see, like, specifically in James, I don't see them petering out, so to speak, Mm -hmm. pardon the pun on that, with reference to Peter. Um, I think they're there. Galatians is pretty early. It's definitely in Galatians. Um, you could argue, people can argue that's part mm-hmm. of the deal. And that First Corinthians um, thirteen passage, where when the perfect has come, you don't need the imperfect. And signs and wonders are imperfect. We have the law now. We have the grace, the New Testament. It's we have the, the the standard, and so we don't need miracles to justify it anymore. I totally get that argument. I just don't personally okay. support it. So I also think I know that there's different there's prophecy like the prophetic like we're saying this is what's going to happen in the future Jesus was prophesied but then the word prophecy mm-hmm. or to prophesy doesn't necessarily which mean by the to, way you do sis so tell us what what <laughs> prophesying is okay so there's there's two forms of prophecy in scripture one is the predictive which is the lesser form it's the one that gets all the headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to wipe out the nation in 200 years. But the real prophetic is the declaring of God. When the Spirit fell on Saul and he was one of the prophets, he wasn't predicting the future. He was pre- proclaiming the greatness of God. Mm-hmm. 
And all prophecy is, is hearing God and speaking for him. I prophesy every time I preach a message. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who opens the word of God and says, here's what I believe God wants me to say to you today is prophesying. It's prophetic preaching. People also prophesy when they say, hey, Lauren, I think I heard something. I may have a word for you. Can I share this? That's prophetic. That's the prophetic. It's just hearing for God from God and trying to relate it accordingly. That goes on all the time. I don't know how you can preach and not believe in the prophetic because you're representing God. Um, and that's one of the gifts listed, obviously. Now, it's also listed in Ephesians 4, um, apostles, prophets, pastor, teachers. So it's, it's in both lists. So if 1 Corinthians 12 gets canceled out, it's still there in Ephesians 4. But I don't know how you preach and not be prophetic. Well, I know there have been some people who have come to me and they've asked, you know, how, how Lauren, how would you interpret this? I went to a church and there, the pastor was up there and he stopped and he was like, wait a minute, you know, God's telling me that there's somebody in this room mm-hmm. that is, needs a kidney or something like that. And that, that weirds them out because there is that guy actually hearing from God. I think people don't really know what to do with that. Okay, that's a great question. It's a great example, too. So weird doesn't mean it's not biblical. It just means it's weird. Mm-hmm. Seeing somebody walk on water would be weird, okay? Yeah. Um, but just because it's outside my experience realm doesn't mean it's not biblical. So you got to let the Word of God be your, mm-hmm. your judge for what is right and wrong, not my experience base. I grew up Southern Baptist. We don't do that. Right. Okay? So that would be a word of knowledge, probably. If you believe in the 1 Corinthians 12 list, it would probably be God revealing to someone, hey, there's something going on in somebody's body out here, and he wants to deal with it right now. I remember the first time I saw that, I, I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But I've sat in enough settings now where it's been hauntingly, hauntingly accurate. Yeah. Like, how did they know? Um, I had I, I was sitting in a prayer meeting one time. A guy walked up to me and said, "Let me t- tell me about your right knee." And I was like, "Really?" And it could have been a really good guess, but he didn't know I had anything. He didn't know me. I was having unbelievable right knee pains before I had work done on it. And he said, "Is something going on with your right knee?" And I was like, "Well, as a matter of fact," and he prayed over my knee, and it felt so much better. Didn't heal it, but it relieved the pain for the moment. That's weird if it's not in your experience base, but it's not necessarily unbiblical. Mm-hmm. So do your biblical homework. And uh, now again, our friends in the secessionist camp would say the whole thing's bogus. Right. But that's it's shenanigans, and it's a little bit of um, tomfoolery, and it may be even deceptive. Yeah. And I I understand. That's what they believe. Yeah. So you mentioned healing. So let's go down. Let's into Let's talk that. about healing. Let's yes. go into healing. Please. So I have seen yeah, Lauren, miraculous right, you healing. Um, I've seen it on multiple occasions. I don't, I, I mean, I can't say if it came through like the laying of hands or like it's, it was something that God did at some point in time. And I can't pinpoint those healings to a moment where a human came and laid hands on you and the person was just freed from the illness. Um, I absolutely believe that God did it. I guess the question is, but y'all prayed, but you through, guys prayed. Yeah, we absolutely you prayed. prayed. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I would be, I'm a little cautious sometimes when people would say like that they have the gift of healing because it feels like it kind of elevates them to the same level of God. And I think that that weirds people out in the church sometimes because if the person's like, well, I have the gift of healing and I'm going to lay my hands on you and you're going to be freed from this disease. All right. So let's compare it to the gift of mercy. Mm-hmm. In both cases, it's God doing the work. Yes. By the way, I have neither. 
gift of mercy or the gift <laughs> yes, of healing. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean that's true? You don't get to say that in front of all these people. I have okay. the gift of mercy. So gift of mercy is God bringing comfort of, through the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. through a human agent. Mm-hmm. The ability to grieve and bring care and comfort, that's all it is. The gift of healing is God bringing spiritual, emotional, physical healing by the Holy Spirit through a human agent. No different. The same thing, it's just you have a human agent. So it's in no way putting someone on the level of God. God's doing the work. I, I totally have um, issue with anybody who takes a spiritual gift and promotes themselves. Right. Hey, I'm gonna. I'm a healer. We're going to have a healing mm-hmm. service this afternoon. Or I'm a prof- prophesier. I'm going to prophesy this afternoon. No, the prophesier is the Holy Spirit. The healer is the Holy Spirit. So I do have issues with that, but it doesn't mean the gift's illegitimate. It means the use is illegitimate. And that's what a lot of people are mm-hmm. reacting to. A lot of people are reacting to what they've seen on TV and some of the shenanigans going on and people making money and then not living yes. godly. And that's on them. That's not on the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, so, so again, and I'm, well, anyway, I'm, I'm still believing that these things go on, but there's plenty of misuse of them, which may be why people have backed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what John Calvin was reacting to. John yeah. Calvin thought the Catholics were getting a little crazy, so he just began to push, look, this is God God doesn't need this yeah. anymore. We have the Word. Yeah, yeah. Humans just keep messing everything up. Imagine see? that. Yes, imagine yeah. that. All right, so let's dive into probably the more controversial of the miracle gifts, which is the gift of tongues. Um, I know from our experience at ACF that there are people here that have spoken in tongues. There are people who pray in tongues. Mm -hmm. And the cessationist, I've even heard them go as far as to say that that's demonic. Mm -hmm. What say you? I'm really avoiding the the temptation to make a funny sound right now (laughs) and just answer (laughs) this in a foreign language um, just to mess with you in the audience. Um, I believe that the gift of tongues... Obviously, since I'm not a secessionist, that the t- gift of tongues mentioned in the book of Acts is still a functional gift. And, and have read, I've never seen it used, but I've read accounts in, from missionaries and prophets in other places where God used someone speaking a language they didn't know that turned out to be a very clear English, lang- English lang- a language on the planet that was prophesying. And I also believe in prayer language. Mm-hmm. So Which, that we're distinguishing one I think, of those is I an think actual two language. Yeah, one, one is an actual language on the planet, and one is the language and tongues of angels, so to speak. And one gift is pretty much edifying of yourself and only yourself. It helps you pray better, the gift of prayer language, and one gift is clearly for others. It's an evangelistic gift, I believe. And I think both still exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the camp that says it's goofy and weird and there's no reason for it, that's not, that's not been my experience, and it's not been where the Lord has taken me as I read and interpret the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's also confusing because there are other cults and religions out there that do speak in tongues, and it's, it is demonic, and it's not a gift of the Holy Spirit because they don't have the Holy Spirit. So I think a lot of people see that, and they're like, whoa, 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 why are Christians dabbling? I mean, what? <laughs> I'm smiling at you because <laughs> Satan counterfeits everything. Yeah. Just because Satan counterfeits something, it means it's a counterfeit. It doesn't mean the original's not real. He's going to send the Antichrist. It doesn't mean that there's not the Christ. Mm-hmm. Satan's the, the great counterfeiter. Of course, he's going to cheapen things and pervert things. Um, and I think, honestly, the more he cheapens and perverts something, the more power he may actually have. Mm-hmm. So, yes, but I'd, let's not study the counterfeits. Let's yeah. look at what's going on in the original and see if there's biblical evidence for it. 
and biblical meaning behind it. And again, give each other grace. Mm -hmm. I, I led the March for Jesus. This is hilarious, Lauren. I led the March for Jesus movement in 1992 in Fort Worth, Texas as a Southern Baptist. And this March for Jesus movement was sweeping the country. And I said, let's have one of these in Fort Worth. I had no idea what I was doing. Well, all the people who signed up for that were charismatics. I was a pastor of Springdale Baptist Church <laughs> and led the effort. And we had the most amazing event with citywide, nationwide participation all over the country. Ours was so stunning, so good, it was so good. We walked downtown, circled the courthouse, and walked back from the water gardens. It was so great. And at the end of that day, after working with these guys for weeks and weeks and weeks, a guy walked up to me and said, if you ever get the Holy Spirit, you're going to be a great Christian. Wow. <laughs> and it broke my heart. And he was referencing the belief that there's a post-salvation immersion or filling that is manifested by speaking in tongues. So that would imply that everybody has the gift that, of speaking in tongues. And, and if you don't, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't have it in the way that other people have. You may be saved, but you don't, you've not been yeah. baptized in the Holy I, Spirit. Yeah. And most of my charismatic friends are pulling back off of that theology a little bit, but it really broke my heart mm -hmm. because I didn't know we were different, right. and apparently I'm not where he is right. in his thinking. And I'm definitely not in that camp. I think you can be full of the Holy Spirit and never speak in tongues, and you've got all the Spirit you need. Mm -hmm. Some people don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in the Bible, when people were speaking in tongues, there were interpreters there. So by the way, I performed a miracle on that guy and turned him into a frog <laughs> right there on the spot. It was a sign gift. Sorry. So with the gift of tongues, <laughs> there needs to be an interpreter. Is that... Yes, yeah, okay. if it's a legitimate gift of tongues, not prayer language, yeah. there needs to be somebody to explain what just happened or it's just chaos. So, but then it does kind of beg the question, like, why are missionaries going to language schools? Like, why can't they go out and just speak to people? Why do you go there? to a doctor? Same thing. I mean, God's given us the ability to learn languages, and um, we need to, it's, it's, God, God's a linguist. He became, he learned humanity to serve us. Mm -hmm. People go to language school to serve the people they're, they're re trying to reach, and you can't necessarily rely on a supernatural gift to get it done. You can learn the language, go learn Spanish. Yeah, I, that's I tried the supernatural way in high school, and it didn't work. It didn't work. I didn't pass. I didn't. No, no I didn't. I, I did that. not get revelation. So I do want to go. You've mentioned First <laughs> Corinthians. I do want to bring up verse um, chapter thirteen, verse eight, where Paul says, "As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease." Mm -hmm. So is Paul predicting that tongues? There's there's an end date. I think he's I think he's sharing his theology that he shares in other places that um, everything we do in ministry is going to be summed up in Jesus. The point he's making there is the one thing that's not going to be ever going to cease is love. Right. He's making... I knew you were going to bring this. Yeah, I cut that it's first a polemic, yeah, You kind of played I, yeah. with spirit. It's a polemic there for love. And he's not saying that we don't need those other gifts, but he's saying when everything's said and done, history is going to be written with a word, one word across the top of it. It's going to be love. Mm -hmm. Love is more important than prophecy. Love is more important than tongues, love is more important than healing or than exhortation or, or serving or any of those gifts. He called those out in 1 Corinthians because those are the ones they were, they were elevating. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were hyper in hyperdrive on the sign gifts and missing the point. It could have been any other gift, but it happened to be the sign gifts. And he said, look, I'm really great to have these. I'm glad you have these gifts. And he says that, but he says, you're missing the point if they're not laced with love. Right. 
wish you had so much more time. I know. Don't you hate this? Because especially unpacking the whole prayer language thing. That's well, let's set, let's set it up for another time. That's something that I think I would people, love to talk to you about. People that. are confused about. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that you made the distinction between yeah. private like prayer language and speaking in tongues. And, which and is if you don't if you don't have these gifts, don't panic. Mm-hmm. There, you could be in process, or they may not be for you. I have an opinion, but it doesn't matter. But but. If you pray for God to give you what you need, He's going to give you what you need. And it's important for if somebody does approach you and they say, I have a word for, for you from God, it's important to use discernment um, to yep. take everything Test and filter it, filter it through the word of God and see if it matches up. Because I know some people who have like blindly accepted a word that was turned out not to be true, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, you know, approach it with discernment, approach it humbly, prayerfully, filter it through God's word. Um and humans aren't always going to get it right. Well, I just want to say, let's give respect, because what I think my friend in Fort Worth did was he did not respect me. Let's give respect to the people that are in the camp that is out there and maybe a little more enthusiastic in their theology than others, and let's give respect to those who are not. And the great thing about Austin, Texas, where I've been for 30 years, Lauren, is I've been so honored by friends in all the camps. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of fun. We yeah. mess with each other. Agree to disagree. But we have honor, and even we pay, we prayed together for decades as pastors. And the guys who were more aggressive and could have prayed in tongues kind of held that back in honor of the guys who didn't. Mm-hmm. They just feed, we don't need to do this here. And so it was just always been honor. Honor gets a lot done. Right. So I'm going to appeal for honor in this one. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. And again, this isn't, I mean, at the end of the day, we agree on Jesus, so... There you go. Major on the major. That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much for diving into this topic with us. This was a great question. Thank you to all of you who submitted it. I was um, very surprised to find out that so many people knew about dispensations and dispensationalism. We didn't talk about dispensationalism. Um, Bless you. Yeah. Dispensationalism. Bless you. (laughs) So, I mean, people are in the Word. People are studying. So, it's awesome. You guys, um, keep sending us your topics, acfellowship.org slash podcast. If there's anything that you want us to dive deeper into Uh, that we didn't touch on today, absolutely send us a message there and we would love to talk about it. All right. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Thanks, friends. Bye.